Welcome to tonight's Everton Fans Forum podcast. It's me, Dave Witchley, as your host today. I'm joined today by Fans Forum Chair Jazz Ball and uh, Mike Thomas. Uh, so, uh, first of all, hi to you, chaps. Hello. How are you doing, doing Jed? <laughs> Very good. Nice to hear some familiar voices in the world of isolation <laughs> and working from home. Um, so today we're going to be discussing quite a few things uh, that will definitely um, have a few keen listeners. First of all, uh, the Fans Forum monthly meet um, with the club uh, on Thursday the 26th of November, just gone. Um, so we delayed the podcast this month just by a few days Um to allow us to react also to, to the press release that has just come out um, from Everton in relation to the match day return, which we will be covering today as well. So uh, there's plenty of information for you today. Um, so before we actually get into the match day return, it's quite, a, as you can imagine, a, quite a, a lengthy, meaty top, topic to go through. Uh, and we've already been doing quite, you know, plenty of work uh, and communication with the club. Uh, already, uh, even though it was only twenty four less than twenty four hours ago that we we heard about that announcement, but we're going to start uh, with uh, a look into the retail segment. Again, this was was quite a, a big topic on on the last meeting, um, and and it covered part of the international perspective um, as well. So obviously, a lot of the topics that we do look at they, they go hand in hand. Um, now, Jazz, as well as being the fans forum chair, sits both on the international and the retail. Uh, groups uh, in terms of the focus groups that we have set up. So, Jazz, I'll come to you for that. Um, so, uh, probably start with an introduction as to who was present at the meeting as well, um, because obviously there was someone different there, which is why there was more of a focus on retail, wasn't it? Yeah, that, that's right. So, so we had Nick Humphreys turn up. Um, he's the, one of the senior, well, he's the senior partnerships manager at Everton, um, and you know he's, he's a real straight talker and he he's quite candid with with, with what he tells us. Um, so. Basically, it's we've been questioning for the last few months about um, our deal with Fanatics, um, how we're sort of looking to grow our um, international and domestic um, sort of footprint, um, and, and and he gave quite a few um, decent updates on that. Um, he gave a few sorts of headline figures. So, like this season, um, we've had record sales for the for the three main kits, and, and really strong sales for all like the trainer wear and the associated match day stuff as well. Um, and, and we've been making sales across six continents and 120 countries. So, so, that, so that's sort of one big thing. Um, it's, it, it's all all around the world, as I just said. Then, so we've, we've got like new distribution deals within Thailand and Singapore, and and, and there's also um, a bit of work that took place looking at the the Chinese markets. They have um, a double eleven day in China, which is sort of the biggest online and shopping day in, in the world, and it's. It's pretty similar to, to where Black Friday's getting to now, where it's like just, just to be sort of North America and now that sort of going, but certainly across Europe as well. Um, so that, that sort of gave um, a massive opportunity for um, Everton fans or, or or even followers of the players to sort of buy Everton merchandise with their stuff on it, right across sort of Singapore, Thailand and China. Um, so in fact, like Chinese fans took advantage of discount codes to purchase kits and merchandise and all that. So so, so that, that that's good to see. Um also, um, more on the US market. So we've seen um, some some great work from from ourselves. Little pat on the back, bit of a Tony in the international group. So we did some great um, some great work um, engaging with fans over there, and and the fan engagement team have been fantastic too. So they had a, a sort of a vision at the beginning of the year of, of certainly in, in America of having supporters groups or clubs within every state over there. So there's been a, a lot of sort of work um, heading that way. And that was sort of mirrored as well when when we signed um, Hammers, for example, with the stuff in Miami and and um, New York as well. So massively trying to improve the footprint out out in the Americas, and that's actually seeing um, like a ten percent year on year revenue growth in the US, um, more focused on sort of California, New York, and Florida. Um, but again, we're also um, getting a footprint in sort of the some of the sort of the the. the um, the, the internet shopping over there as well, so like lids.com, um, Fans Edge, Pele Soccer, and Soccer.com. So it's it, it, it's grown in the right direction. Um, one one of the the points that um, Nick sort of made clear to us as well was that the, the actual order and distribution arrangements for retailers are usually made twelve months in advance of delivery. Um, so this is all, but but we're going back over a year now. Um, so potentially before we sign some of these new stars that have, have sort of. Um, gains a lot of visibility on the global market. 
um, and, and the club are constantly working with, with sort of a, a number of distributors to sort of get a plan in place for 21-22 distribution. So we should have um, a significant footprint across the whole of the Americas and, that, and that's being pushed by the senior club management team. Um, to, to take that sort of um, one further as well, we, we queried um, purely how our fanatics deal uh, maps across to, to other teams within the, the Premier League and just so that we could sort of get an understanding as to whether, um, but basically why um, our stuff might not be as visible as some other clubs. And, and he basically came back and, and told us that, that there's a lot of different deals with Fanatics at the moment, so it's not sort of a straightforward comparison. Um, for us, Fanatics uh, manage our entire retail operation. For some of the other big clubs, they uh, Fanatics Lurie manage the online operation, but not the retail stores. And then similarly, several clubs will also sell their kits through um, through their retail partners or so their kit suppliers, whether that's like Adidas, Nike or Puma. Um, and, and also that's sort of independent from the, the Fanatics deals as well. Um, in terms of sort of different deals with clubs as well, so some Premier League club retro kits to be sold, but not the sort of current clothing or training wear. And, um, but most of the Fanatics Premier League deals are for international online sales. So... Even though ours is, is across all retail, it's sort of limited for different clubs. And, and, and to com- complicate the matter further again, uh, Fanatics US or Fanatics.com also handle all um, online business for Nike in terms of football club apparel. Um, and that's a deal with Nike, not the clubs themselves. So it, it's, I probably haven't cleared anything up there, but I've, I've given a few sorts of explanations into why, um, um, why, why, the club are trying to expand their markets over there and why we might not be as visible at the moment in, in some of those markets. Thanks, Jazz. And I think it's fair to say, um, you know, that these issues are, are issues that we've continually, um, you know, uh, brought up to the club um, and acted as their, their kind of conduit voice in between, um, asking for better visibility, asking for us to, to explore these options. And I think, um, this is obviously this is part of the reason why Nick came on the meeting the other day because you know it's a project that we've been pushing for some time, isn't it? To, to do the best we can do out there uh, in the international scene. Yeah, definitely. Just, just, just I forgot one more point to mention as well. So, um, although um, we've been sort of liaising with with um, the overseas Evertonians about um, suggesting different stores that we could get a footprint, um, a footprint in. Now, the club fanatics Hummel uh, are all working on that in store distribution, but. Pardon me. It's it's always beneficial if, if sort of fans can push that from the bottom up as well. So if, if they go into the stores and say we want Everton stuff, then that's it. We're sort of tackling it from both sides, if you like, because when it comes to um, signing a distribution deal, that the stores themselves are taking an element of risk on on their behalf about where the fans are actually going to buy it from their shop or they're going to buy it through Everton Direct or if it's in America. Through um through the sort of lids plans there, Jordan Leffert also mentioned, and the other sort of um, online sites that I mentioned before as well. So we, we we'll continue to continue to sort of highlight the names of these stores to the club, but um also if, if fans are listening from sort of overseas locations, if they can mention that in the stores as well, and and, and try and fight that on both sides. Cheers, Jazz. Um, I, I think it's fair to say it was it was quite a you know an engaged conversation with Nick, wasn't it? That you know there was. A, 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 I think it's fair to say the forum were very passionate about trying to trying to push this issue, you know, on behalf of the fans. Certainly, you know, um, we've got like like Seamus Coleman, who's been the club captain for a number of years. We need to be as visible as we possibly can in some of these stores. And I mean, you know, if we can do the best we can to, to put your message to the club, and the, the club can then take that on board and, and try and improve things, uh, you know, it's a, it's the right path to take. Um, you know, part of that, obviously, as well, uh, the, the, there was a mention on Toffee TV. Uh, I think Ped and Baz had the discussion about the, the takedown kits, which was an interesting one for me. And uh, I, I, I remember going um, abroad not long ago and being a cheapskate like I can't, like I am. Um, I couldn't afford the, you know, the, the, the hundred and odd pounds uh, jersey in, in Paris. Um, so I, I went for one of the cheaper options, which was just a, a Paris Saint-Germain t-shirt, um, funny enough, just as was discussed on there. So I, I can fully relate to it. Um, uh, and it was a good point that they mentioned that, that these kits sometimes uh, can be a way of getting, you know, people in, in club colours. Um, uh, and if we can uh, venture out right across the world and get as many people out there 
in Everton kits, you know, as many kids out there, uh, whatever region they're in, you know, as, as accessible and as affordable as possible and marketed in the right way, um, you know, to make it as desirable as it can per region. I think, I think it's a step in, in the right direction. However, obviously when we were speaking to Nick, he said the club have investigated that before. Uh, I think it was previously in the African um, region when you know when it's been brought up in the past, and there wasn't really desire back then. But obviously, we brought that up again and got that in the club's um, vision, should we say? Uh, because you know, it's we, we've got to just keep pushing these things. We've got we've got to keep pushing for you know. The, the, there's loads of Everton fans out there that don't even know that they're Evertonians uh, yet. Uh, um, and by making these kits accessible, affordable, and desirable, uh, you know, hopefully we're, we're moving in the right direction. Um, but it's definitely something we're passionate about, isn't it, lads? Yeah, it definitely makes it. So, so that one there, that was that was based off when we had the um, the, the sort of partner sponsorship with with um, Sport Pacer, wasn't it? So yes, it yeah. was through the African markets that you mentioned. Then um, certainly at the time, the the feedback um, received was um, a lot of the, the the fans wanted original items, but do you know what? Things things move on, things change. Um, I don't think there's many people who got as much money now as what they did have a co- um, this time last year, for example. So, as, as you say, we'll sort of continue to sort of champion any sort of any other ideas that we do have out there as well. I think for us, uh, the frustrating thing is obviously, you know, when you see players like Richarlison tweeting the club about lack of availability and things like that, especially when you've got players like James, Richarlison, who are really, you know, like crowd favourites in those countries where they play for the national teams. And so there's got to be, it's probably quite difficult practically to get something like that, enfor- you know, enforced over in Colombia or Brazil, you know, an affordable kit or something that they're willing to wear. But I think it's just about, you know, making the club aware that we've got to do more and we've got to make something accessible, really, you know, regardless of the practical difficulties. No, 100%. And, and, and to be honest, it's, I think Brazil's, Got its own sort of issues, hasn't it, with the, yeah. the sort of import tax and that, and that's sort of a bit pr- uh, prohibitive at the minute. But uh, I think there's, I think the, the club's been quite cute with one of its other deals lately, which you know what I mean should be commended because they're, they're obviously thinking outside the box as well. And and that was with the um, so I think it was October. It was mentioned that we went partnership with them, um, Everton, Davina, Del Mar. Yeah. Um. So um, on the back of that, I believe that they're now going to be selling um our sort of this season's kits over in, in Chile in their stores and sort of beach resorts and popular tourist areas. Um, and, and I believe the intent is for them to, to sort of reciprocal things to happen as well. So um, in the future, we may be seeing sort of Everton Chile kits in, in, in Everton 1, Everton 2 and, and on Everton Direct as well. So it's it's good to see that they're exploring all sorts of opportunities to try and um, work around the distribution issues in, in these sorts of other countries as well. I could definitely see myself in a, a Vina Del Mar top, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> it's a bit of my, bit, bit of me that. So uh, it's like music. Are you going to pay for the full price one, or are you, you going to go to the cheap ones you were on? You know me too well, mate. You know me too well. <laughs> you can stretch to you can stretch to a booker's hat, and, uh, yeah, and, and other markets are available. Too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's it's an issue that's always always in our eyes. You know, we're always pushing for it, um, and the club listen. Uh, hopefully, we can continue to improve things. Um, so, if you're listening and you've got any ideas, you you know, quite you know, freely send them our way. And we'll, we'll bring them up. You know, we've got thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of fans. You know, all over all over the world. So, if you've got ideas, get them out there and, and let's let's get them in the spotlight. Um, so talking of, of something that's very much in the spotlight and is about to go in the spotlight even more so uh, is the uh, Bramley Moor Stadium. Um, so I think everyone's ears pricks up when, when, when them words get mentioned, Mike, so no pressure. Um, <laughs> but it's uh, fair to say that, uh, again, the, you know, the, the further updates again, it's it's something that's a continual update that, that we have on these meetings. Um, and do you want to take us through the latest updates in relation to Bramley Moor? Yeah, I'll, I'll try and jazz it up a bit and keep it entertaining. Um, hey, jazz it up, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so basically it's, it, it's just an update on the progress of the stadium. You know, obviously at the moment it's incredibly difficult to actually get any sort of pace behind the planning proposals and the uh, planning applications because COVID really hasn't helped anything. It's quite an unideal time to be undertaking a half a billion pound uh, development really but 
Uh, the club have said that they're being very proactive with what they're doing. So the the planning application is still with Liverpool City Council, and that's out of the club's hands in terms of you know how quickly that moves now. Uh, we've sort of done everything on our side for that, and we're still awaiting a date for the planning determination. So I know there's been a lot of talk around that being sort of early next year. I, the club haven't had confirmation of when that will be, but I, I think that's still you know everything's still on the. Yeah. Original time scale that was proposed. There may, so there, there may be a bit of a sneaky suspicion on that, might there? But we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll yeah, that. <laughs> that, that'll be conjecture from us. <laughs> uh, so, uh, in terms of in terms of proactively doing, you know, making progress, the club have submitted a separate application, looking at the remediation and the boundary works, um, and that sort of that's trying to, you know, cover any any possible hurdles that might pop up further along the line. So the, the club think that that might be needed before development can begin. And obviously that's something that the club can be proactive with at this time. Um, so that's been submitted to the Liverpool City Council. Uh, the, and then moving on to the responses to the survey that were handed out. Um, the club said that the survey was handed out to season ticket holders, lounge members, official members, waiting list members uh, and match-by-match purchases uh, if they've signed up, you know, to receive correspondence from the club. So the the survey was submitted to those uh, fan groups and from the surveys, they've used an algorithm to essentially spot, you know, the key themes within, within each of the surveys as well as highlighting individual areas. So based on the survey, some of the key themes that emerged where the fans were asking a lot about whether it would be possible to sit with friends and family in similar areas of the ground as they do currently. So uh, this is something that the club will continue to process and we'll we'll hear more about that essentially once, the, once the, it's been developed and publicised. So whether that means, you know, offering similar seats in similar stands so like Gladys Street and Park and obviously the club will probably it's not something which is immediately a concern for the club because it's it's going to be still a few years before tickets go on sale and stuff but um, the club are working on that and trying to find the best solution for it uh, another concern of the fans was a fear of being priced out I think uh, when the surveys were released there was some sort of there's some questions with indicative pricing of, you know, like just sort of a ballpark figure. Would you be happy with this? What would and I think a lot of fans took that as a as a sign that that is what the ticket prices were going to be. Um the club have said that, you know, the prices in the survey weren't actual prices. These were just the you know, these were just basically to start the conversation going. Uh, I think I think personally my understanding uh when we were building the new ground was that you go, you know, we, ticket prices have remained the same at Goodison Park for the last, like, you know, a number of years. It's five years, five years, yeah. five yeah. years. And, and and I mean, we've got some of the lowest prices in the league. So I always assume that with a new ground will come an increase in ticket prices, whatever that increase may be. Um, I think I think the club understand that one of the key drivers, especially in an you know an area like Liverpool City region, um one of the key drivers is going to be the price points of the average fans tickets and all, all all what i can say on that point from you know what we've experienced with the club is the fact that they've kept prices the same for 5 years shows a clear understanding of you know the the fan base uh, the financial situation that some you know everyday fans may find and i'm sure that there will be a commitment there to keep prices in a in a reasonable bracket for people to continue going to the match, um, and so there was also talk of bridging the gap between hospitality seating. So that that sort of involves a premium seating, you know, boxes, and then a, a range of premium seats down from that to sort of give more options, which aren't possible at Goodison at the moment. Obviously, with the lack of uh, hospitality available within the ground, the lack of room for expansion and things like that. So by making intermediate price points um, from premium seating down to a, a standard normal seat at the match, that 
is where the club may be able to make the margin up in, in order to make the average seat more affordable. And so that's something which we, we've seen a lot of. Um, you know, a lot of ideas have been thrown around. So I remember seeing on Twitter uh, a while back about the those front row seats um, where you can, you know, have a screen, which has been done in the NFL and things like that. So I think the club are looking into a tiered hospitality system where if if people do want to pay a little bit more to have some more perks, that that should, you know, depend on depending on the appetite for it and the uptake, that will allow the standard, you know, the Gladys Street seat or the Park End seat or the Bowland Road, you know, the equivalent of that to be a much more reasonably priced ticket um as and when the pricing is released. So I think I think they were the key points raised about Bramley Moor, weren't they, lads? Yeah, I just want to stress, so, so those points that, that Mike just mentioned then, they're, they're the points that we picked up on social media and presented to the club. It, it wasn't, um, the, the club didn't brief us those as in feedback that they had received. So um, if anybody does have any, any further comments or whatever, send them across to us and, and we'll kind of carry on sort of championing um, th- those sorts of areas. Uh, you know, I think, I think that's one thing, you know, obviously we, we're quite... We can be react reactive in some ways in terms of we resp- when when people do raise stuff with us, we'll we'll bring it to the club. But we, we you know we, we're quite proactive on other fronts, so we're always looking you know we're always out there looking to see what what the, you know what what people discussing and and what the feelings are out there uh, you know across a broad range of different forums. Um, I, I you know I think that they're, they're, they're the key themes isn't it fair to say just that we did pick up from them, um, and it's it, 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 it's interesting, actually. Uh, you know, the, I think you raised some really good points there, Mike. And the, and the club, yeah, for the last five years, have had that kind of price fee, freeze. And Liverpool's always been a, a unique city. You know, it's a city obviously close to all of our hearts. Uh, uh, but you know, it's kind of a proud working class socialist city. Um, and it, the club have been great reflected in that five year price freeze. Uh, and it's something that I did actually raise. Actually, um, I, I did say that uh, you know that, that we need to remember that, and we need to make sure that the working class fans of the city, you know, and the fans that go to the game at the moment don't get priced out at any stage. Uh, and hopefully, uh, you know, that message is strong, uh, and they would have received that from the feedback on the surveys. And also, um, hopefully, when we get to Bramley Moor, um, that, that there's a there's a seat for everyone. You know, there's a seat reflective. Of the city, um, you know, whether you do want to spend the extra money and you can afford to do so, good on you, but also the people that have gone the match all their lives and their families have right the way through second, third, fourth generations that, that you know, that these people aren't priced out of going the game, and that's massively important, something close to my heart. Um, and uh, you know, any observations forward them to us, and, and we'll continue to, to voice them. Uh, on your behalf to the club to make sure they understand how how you're feeling, um, uh, you know, and, and that general feel across the fan base. I think it's fair to say, Charles, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, mate. Um, I think that the, the sort of the, the one other bit that, that the Mike sort of mentioned earlier as well was that um, that the club have um, committed to doing more of these surveys in the future. Um, and, and I'm aware that there are people within the groups that, that Mike mentioned that didn't get the email. Um, but but that will be down to the sort of the, the preferences within your account. Um, so if, if if fans are keen to, to sort of be involved with, with any of these um, sort of surveys, consultations, what have you, um, you just it'd be a case of going into your account and just amending that then as well, so that um, you, you do receive emails as and when they're pushed out. And funny enough, we'll go on to keeping your details up to date very shortly. <laughs> but, but yeah, uh, no, it's. I was on that Civic Voice um, uh, webinar that, that was done the other day. That was quite interesting. It was a free to sign up and seeing it, it was pushed out on, on, on Twitter. And uh, I think Mo, obviously Mo was there from the club. And um, you know, it was interesting to see fans from up and down the country from varying clubs showing interest in the stadium. And everyone was. Was overwhelmingly positive on it, really, and the impact it could have on the city is huge. Um, you know, it, it can totally change the outlook of the city. And Liverpool won. I remember when that came in. You know, the, the impact that that had on the city, uh, the jobs that you know, the, the the way the city looks, the tourism. Uh, you know, hopefully that Bramley Moor um, will, will have that impact. And it's great to see that the, the, the club are continually going out there. 
engaging fans and, and welcoming their feedback. Uh, we need to continue to do that consultation. It's great to see that they've been doing it already. It, it, it struck me on that civic voice how well they've consulted over periods of time. Um, so, um, just moving on from Bramley Moor, then um, there was an update, uh, Jazz, and I think there's been something that's been raised for, for, uh, before I've even turned up at the forum, actually. Um, uh, for, but it's, it's something they've been on for, for some time. Is it the DAS update? Yeah, so 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 basically, DAS is um is, is a system that sort of um, increases your sort of your, your mobile telephone signal, three G, four G. Um, so it's an area that. Um, the club have been um, looking to sort of implement in in Goodison. Um, the the plan was that that be in place for the start of this season. Now, um, due to COVID restrictions and whatever else, that's one of the projects that has suffered. Um, but it's, it's more of a, a case in point that um, we, we are still hastening these um, issues that have been sort of mentioned a while ago, and and we will continue until until we do get resolution on them. Um, I think that falls within the sort of remit of the, the staging project. Um, so that's. That's sort of Bramley Moore and Goodison, and, and, and we're being assured that um, an update will be forthcoming with that as well. Um, probably not so much of an issue with reduced um, fans in attendance, but certainly um, the sort of mobile phone signal, 3G, 4G, is is, is pretty renowned as, as being limited in Goodison due to the, the age of the stadium, the, the construction of it, and, and, and sort of all the things that go hand in hand with that. Great. Um, I've just got these visions of myself now. I'm at Bramley Moor. I'm uh, getting a pie from like a local trader uh, business. I'm, you know, I'm going, going, sitting there with me, my nice pint of Moretti, and I've got a four G ready to put me, me, uh, look at the fixture list and on the team sheet. So uh, sounds great to me already. <laughs> and obviously, me sitting me tickets affordable. Sounds sounds like it's. I'm just ready to get there now. To be honest with you, so fingers crossed for the next stage. Um, and uh, so um, <clears throat> the, the next important part to go over um, is, is the big a bit of a big <laughs> um, but it's a, a, an overview of, uh, of the press release the other day so that kind of concludes our, our, you know the, the, the points that we've got on the meeting initially uh, from the other day uh, and we want to go on now to, to the discussion over the overview of the uh, match day return to Goodison Park so just a few of the highlights from the, the press release, just so we can set the scene before we get into to actually talking about it before. Is, uh, Liverpool, obviously, as a, as a region, sit in the tier two. Um, obviously, that's following the fantastic work of everyone, uh, you know, respecting and following the guidelines and going out there and doing the, the, the mass testing on the, on the moonshot testing. It's great to see that we've got we've been able to drive that down to a tier two from from tier three previously, um, and since then, as a result of, of everyone's hard work, um, we're now in a position where it appears that we can get back to the game on on, on Sunday the twelfth of December, um, which will be the eight pm kickoff against against Chelsea Goodison Park. Um, so overall, it's two thousand fans, and that'll be the first time we've been back in Goodison Park. Since the first of March, my God, that, that, that date seems an eternity away now. Um, so it, it's really positive news, hopefully, uh, for us all. And the ballot system's gone live as we speak now. It, it went live on Wednesday the second, and that's open from uh, from from the second to Friday the fourth at midnight. Um, you would have, you know, be notified that by email. Um, and as was mentioned before, make sure that. All your details are up to date on your account online. It's really important uh, while we're going through all these stages. That will capture ninety-one percent of season ticket holders. That two thousand, um, but it will make up a ninety ninety-one percent of season ticket holders. New ones will be large members and, and uh, 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 basically family of the of the players. Club the club has a robust a robust plan uh, which includes restricting ballots entries to season ticket holders and season hospitality within the Liverpool city region some of the LC, uh, obviously the support of the LCR mass testing program uh, is part of that so to do so to actually get into the ground you've got to show proof that you've tested uh, negative the day before um, and that's the day before the game uh, or the actual day of it, the game itself. Uh, in terms of where you'll sit, uh, if you're successful, would be the Gladys Street and the top balcony. They've been the two designated areas. And there's also a designated area for our disabled supporters. Um, and also, um, 
you know, to make sure everyone's captured within that as well. So those who live outside of the Liverpool City region or who are not successful or who choose not to apply would be refunded in the next increment date, which is February 2021. And that would capture the 1st of November to the inclusive uh, to the 31st of January. Um, and that, that would then be your incremental uh, refunds uh, would be contained within that. Uh, if you're successful, you receive an email on uh, well, by 5pm on Monday, the 7th of December. Uh, it's like that kind of Willy Wonka golden ticket, isn't it, that, that anyone that's applied that will be waiting for. Um, <laughs> but uh, it will actually come in the form of an electronic ticket that you'll download. Um, so, you know, that, that, that will all be explained if, if you are successful. As part of that, there will also be a COVID-19 match day code of conduct. You'll have to bring photo ID to the match, uh, to the match as well, which will marry up with your season ticket holder to prove that you are the season ticket holder. Uh, and tickets cannot be transferred um, to, to a family member or to a friend. And I think it's fair to say we'll come on to this slightly later when, um, when Jazz was discussing the GSAC the other day, but the important element is this is has to be a safe, safe and safe again approach. You know, it's been a terrible pandemic. Uh, you know, far too many lives have been lost much too soon. Um, and now we're starting to see some light. Uh, but all these procedures are in place to make sure that supporters are kept safe. Um, so it's you know, really important to anyone listening that, we, that, that you encourage everyone to follow these. Uh, when you do get all these this information, you read it. Uh, and, you know, it's all part of us getting back together as one. You know, I think... The ultimate aim is us all being back and good with a full house. But to do that, we all need to get through this stage and we all need to do it right. Um, so it's important that you do really read that stuff that comes out uh, and you make sure that you follow it to the letter of the rule because this is us showing that we can be trusted, um, which we should be trusted to do the right thing, as we've shown already this month when we, you know, the, the kind of moonshot mass test in the city where everyone's followed the right guidelines and we're going to do that again and hopefully be back in Goodson Park for a full house um, so they're, they're, that's the kind of overview summary uh, I'm sure you'll correct me Jazz if I've missed anything out there and also I'm just going to ask you to go through some of the stuff we've noticed since them announcements uh, in terms of questions that are being asked by the fans um, Yes, yeah, so just, um, just a, sort of a few points about a little bit more meat on the bones if you will so um, obviously, they mentioned 91% or a minimum of 91% for um, season ticket holders. Um, uh, compared with other Premier League clubs uh, that have announced how their sort of reduced fan allocation is going to work, that is that is the highest um, that, that is across the league. Um, also, in terms of the, the stands you mentioned, so the, the gladness will be open, upper and lower, and also the top balcony. Um, the, I think the reason they chose the top balcony over the... Um, the Bullens was due to there's less restrictive views up there. Um, obviously, that the park end is sort of out of scope because that's where the um, out the park and the Bullens is where the um, the way fan uh, the way players will be making their way through, and the main stand is obviously where um, the, the the sort of the, the the playing staff, the coaching staff, the players, um, and the media are all located. So it's that the, there is um, underlying reasons why those areas have been chosen. Yeah, I, I think that's the thing. You know, there's context to all this as well. You know, everything has been thought through and, and thought through again, hasn't it, to make sure that, that it's done in, in the right way. Um, so in terms of, we, we sent a few questions over to the club, didn't we, Jazz, the other day? Um, uh, we've had some feedback from them. I don't know if you want to just go through some of the pointers there. I think... Um, uh, yeah, sorry, I've got I've got the uh, questions here. So we had, yeah, we had a few questions. Uh, obviously, sort of at the forefront of everybody's mind was this return to Goodison, and so most of them do revolve around that. Basically, um, the first one uh, was basically are kids expected to get COVID tests before the game? I know they've been, you know, they haven't had to add testing for certain things like holidays, or but the club have said they all all. People attending the match, children included, will need a test on the day of the game or the day before the game. Um, and th this all sort of comes from, you know, public health England advice because obviously kids can act as vectors for this disease. And so it's important that everybody in the stadium is is tested. Um, another one was, will will the end 
will the ballot entries from outside of the Liverpool City region be withdrawn from the ballot? Uh, again, based on Public Health England advice, uh, all ballots from outside of the Liverpool City region will be removed and withdrawn from this ballot. Um, I think, touching on a, a, one of the other questions as well, it's important to state that these um, these questions and these these the measures the club are taking are specifically for this Chelsea game. Um, it, this, you know, we, we're sort of working on a game by game basis here. Obviously, uh, things are changing very frequently at the moment. So, but for this game, uh, they will be withdrawn unless you're from the Liverpool City region. Uh, Another one was, will people attending only be able to attend one match um, and then have to wait for everybody else to attend the match before they can attend again? Uh, and the club's response to this was that the ballots will be weighted in favour of people yet to attend the game. So if you are successful in the Chelsea game, you, will, you it will be weighted in favour of the other uh, season ticket holders for future games. Uh, this was some. This was the club's philosophy from the outset. This is something which you know they've they've been quite open with since the idea of ballots and limited attendance came out, and it's something we discussed. And I think when you consider that there's around thirty thousand season ticket holders and only two thousand people are going to the match, that's a about a one in fifteen chance, presuming that everybody wants to go. So it it. It's got to be the fairest way, I suppose, to ensure that everybody gets to experience a game as opposed to, you know, one person luckily getting three games on the bounce, for example. Um, tier 1 and 2, travelling to Liverpool, um, will not be allowed. So, basically, if you if you are in an area with the same tiering to Liverpool, obviously, all but essential travel is advised at the moment by Public Health England. And so the club aren't going to allow intercity travel uh, to the game. So that, again, is specifically for this game and might change in the future, depending on advice. Um, and sort of relating to that is people who are not from the Liverpool City region but do work in the area and you know are regularly tested for work purposes, things like that, would they be allowed to, for example, stay at work and then travel straight to the game. Um, this this won't be allowed for the Chelsea game, um, but again, as, as things change and develop, this might be allowed in the future, but as it stands, the, you, you'll be withdrawn if you're not actually living in the area. Um, and the, the last one, which probably is you know, quite a pressing issue, not just in terms of the club's decision or advice, but is quite a practical issue, is the lack of asymptomatic testing available. So people have been asking whether mobile testing sites will be available near the ground, you know, with rapid testing and things like that, uh, just to ensure that obviously you've got the results back before uh, the match kicks off. The club ha the club have responded by saying that they are working with local health authorities and um, full clarity will be provided to successful candidates from the ballot uh, on the available testing options following the conclusion of the ballot. So, essentially, the, the club are trying to come up with some sort of arrangement whereby, you know, just to give, to give people the options of how they can get rapid tests the day before or the day of the game. And that will be that will be given, provided to the successful candidates once the ballot's closed, which I think makes the most sense because it's been, you know, as I said, one fifteenth of the people potentially will be successful in this ballot. And so um, it, it, I think the club are looking to just help those people who are successful as and when it's decided. And I think, I think that's all the questions that we were, we put to the club. Um, yeah, there's, there's a couple of others that we sort of seen on on Twitter. Also, we, we we sent them to the club yesterday and got got them responses this morning. Um, but I've sort of just tracked a couple of other um, during the day. Um, one, for example, um, the, the, there's a fan whose season ticket was in somebody else's name. Now um, that they've actually been successful in getting the, the name transferred on the season ticket, um, it's not going to be in place for this um, for this first ballot, for example. But um, at least that that option is available. So. Um, if, if for one reason or another, through ill health of a season ticket holder, somebody else regularly goes using that ticket, um, there, there is the option to transfer the name. 
um, for future ballots, or, or, but just not this one. Um, and then that will obviously have to be um, married up with the ID, the photo ID, and that when when um, when and if they're, they're lucky enough to get selected to go. Um, I, I would just like to stress as well that we, we totally understand the frustration. Um, there's members in the forum who, who live outside the Liverpool city region who work in Liverpool daily and come in, get tested, and and, and they're not able to, to to enter the ballot as well. So um, if, if there's any other fans in, in the similar boats, if, if, if just in case it was needed, we will be championing on, on um, championing those issues as well uh, for future changes when when next future announcements are made as well. I think the key thing. I think the key thing with this, um, the the sort of stance that the club are taking, and presumably all clubs that are taking the limited, you know, that are allowed limited attendance. It, it's it's always with the view to obviously getting more people into the stadium because it it's not financially beneficial to have two thousand people inside the stadium in terms of policing and all the other things that need to be done. So. I think the the key for the for the upcoming games is just to make sure that you know to demonstrate essentially that it is a safe environment for people to come to, and you know hopefully that that cap can be lifted and you can you can get a lot more people inside the stadium. So this is I I think this is sort of a practice run, and the clubs are just trying to make sure that everything goes as smoothly as possible. It's it's essentially can the you know can football be trusted in this sense and. Then hopefully, if everyone you know plays by the rules and you know everything goes smoothly, then hopefully before long, especially with the vaccine, vaccine and things like that coming in, hopefully it won't be too long before we can have significantly increased capacities. Yeah, you're totally right, Mike. So that that um, even if we go back to sort of September time before um, sort of lockdown two got announced, um, one of the prerequisites on on fans returning to the ground was that a trial event was held. Um, now back then, um, the talk was, uh, was I don't know between twenty and thirty percent of max capacities being allowed, but the, the trial events would have been a lot less than that. So we probably looked at about two thousand people. So if if that's what we're doing now, that might may satisfy your future requirement to sort of to yeah. increase the numbers in the future. Um, but but as you said, uh, um, certainly haven't been on the the G side the other day, which is the the, the, the council meeting that um, approves the safety certificates for for Anfield and Goodison. Um, that, that that was certainly um, one of the points mentioned there that, um, that that it's evidence that there is a lot of work going on behind the scenes to to make sure that all um, match day support staff uh, are being COVID tested in, in in accordance with what we're being told as well. So that's a negative COVID test on the day or the day before. Uh, they're also doing um, a lot of training, um, so that, that they are invested quite heavily in in trying to make this a success. And it's, it's not a case of double standards, you know what I mean? So that, that they are they are. Um, committed to to hopefully um, demonstrating that it can be done safely. I think it's an important point as well what you you've raised there. That actually we've been heavily involved in in feeding stuff back to the club when football was supposed to be coming back as such on the, on the last occasion, haven't we, uh, Jazz as well? Um, so hopefully, you know that that was all based on on feedback that we'd heard at the time, and we'd had meetings with the club right the way through the pandemic, really. But we also had a meeting when we did believe that football was coming back um, and, and made sure that everyone's views were fed in at that time. I think it's fair to say, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I, I think that the one point as well, it's, it, I'm assuming um, there's left a sort of de- um, details going to come out when, when fans are notified that it's successful. But I think one of the areas where there was concern was was about um, travel to um, Goodison. Um, obviously, the, the safest way to prevent... Obviously, yeah, but you'll be going the game. We'll we'll have uh, proof of negative test, but that's not to say that if, if you make your way on a train or a bus or whatever else, that you won't come in contact to with somebody who hasn't had that test. So uh, I think um, it's probably going to be good practice to to sort of travel um, potentially with your bubble who who would have also had the tests and 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 just try and ensure that the only people within the ground are ones that have had the negative test. Thanks, Jess. Um, so uh, that pretty much rounds up for now that that segment on, on the podcast. Uh, so if you are listening, you know, and you, you think that you want to feed something and contact us directly, or, or contact fan services, or phone the club directly, and uh, you know we can continue to have that dialogue. Um, just something before before we kind of round up, I just want to talk about the virtual away day the other day. Obviously, one of the the, the issues that we raised with the club was the you know the, the fact that. 
which it's been hard for some fans across the country and you know not not just this country but maybe you know abroad too sometimes globally where you know they've, they've been increasingly isolated because of the conditions where in the country you know they can't mix as much as they would do with other people so the club put on a virtual away day um and that the first one was held uh the other day I attended. I thought personally, I just want to say, I thought it was fantastic. Um, at that time, they had they had diamonds on there that that, that was on the next player. They had uh, Darren Griffiths that was on as well. Uh, as the the host, uh, but it was very open. It was just like a Zoom. Uh, you know that you might do that. Some of us would never have done probably eighteen months ago. You've probably done a lot of them lately in the last twelve months. Uh, but it was kind of like an open forum, and we all got to talk to each other, and there was a few people having a drink. You know, a few people not having a drink, but it, it was really enjoyable. Um, and, and you know, there was there was blues there, some familiar faces that you recognise from the away matches. There was also you know some blues internationally from from Norway and and uh, you know the states, Ireland, all telling their stories of how they fell in love with Everton, became an Evertonian, and uh, it was just really, I describe it as as kind of uplifting. You know, it was a chance to really engage. If you are listening to the podcast and. And you have to be, you know, feeling a bit more isolated. First of all, you know, we have we have the, the Blue Family referral scheme. Um, so if you know of anyone that is feeling like this way, you can refer them. Um, but you know, contact the club. Uh, the club's been great right the way through the pandemic. Uh, really putting support in place for people out there. And um, you know, this virtual away day for me is a, a really positive step as well. There's another one on Friday. Obviously, that is closing as we as we're recording uh, the podcast at midnight. Uh, obviously tonight on Thursday uh, but you know th- there will be other opportunities coming up I believe Snods is on this one on Friday as well so it should be quite funny to be honest with you he's always, uh, he's, he's always pretty funny Snods and he's a good laugh as well so you know it's it just just a thank you really just just to the club for listening to the fans because this was something that's come about from the fans approaching well JD Deacon approached us uh, yeah, and a few other people uh, to talk about this issue and the club have started putting these on, so that you know they do listen uh, to, to you know what is discussed, what you tell us, uh, and we feed that back. And it's something really positive. Uh, so if you see another one ever ta- advertised, I would, would encourage you to get involved. Um, but um, yeah, that, that's all I have to say on that front. Um, before we close, then um, I'm I'm going to go around the houses. Um, I, I've talked too much as I always do. Um, but uh, first, uh, Mike, have you got any, anything to add before we close? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think I'm, I'm obviously looking forward to you know getting fans back inside Goodison, starting to get get back towards some sort of normality, and you know get rid of that piped in crowd music. <laughs> um, so you know it'll be it'll be nice to have some actual reaction to chances and goals and. Hopefully we um, won't hear too much booing when we get back in the ground. Damn, nice <laughs> people, people will be booing us now on the podcast. To be fair, so it's a, <laughs> no, yeah. it's a good job we haven't got the pipes and noise ourselves. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, no, I, I totally agree there, mate. I think you know Everton um, for that ninety minutes in the match. You know it, it, the fans become part of the team, don't they? And, and not to have that voice, the passion, the you know, all that experience yeah. just not being the same. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a positive step and, and, and long may continue going that way. Definitely. Uh, Jazz, uh, over to yourself. Have you got any, any closing statements uh, for anyone listening? Um, I, I haven't, to be honest. I, I had one all prep, but Michael's just dropped it on me. So, uh, <laughs> so, so I'll, I'll just keep your mouth shut and then let the help me. Have you been swapping notes and he's robbed your notes before the, before the, uh, the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, thank you for listening. Um, you know, importantly, uh, keep safe. Uh, you know, it's, it's important right now. We are in the pandemic and, and keep smiling. Um, hopefully, the spirit of the blues uh, will be back with us at the weekend against Burnley. And moving forwards, uh, as we always do, we like to finish with a fan's voice to round it off. Um, this is me being a bit biased, uh, but this is a, a fellow County Row bobbler, um, Matt Keenan at Matt8284, is going to lead us out with Carlo Fantastico. So enjoy, and uh, hopefully, we'll speak to you all soon. Bye for now.
Oh, 